0: Hi everybody to the writer or Die show. I am your host, Randy Lee Boslaw. On today's episode, I am going to be talking to Marilyn Redmond. Welcome Marilyn, super excited to have you on the show. I am so glad to be
1: here and thank you for asking me. This is a delight.
0: So Marilyn is three hours behind me. So she had to get up super early to join us today. So thank you so very much. You um, Inspire me, because I don't know if I'd want to get up that early. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's working. It's a beautiful, sunny day. It could be worse. (laughs) Oh well, that's good. Um, it's a rainy, crappy day here. So, well, we
1: have more than our share in Washington State. We're known as a rainy state. So, okay. If you come to Washington, bring your umbrella.
0: (laughs) I will keep that in mind. Um, so. Start with the easy question of tell us about who Marilyn is
1: well thank you for asking um I was originally a school teacher until I retired medically from teaching school I've taught everything from kindergarten through college yeah uh classroom and music and uh, then when I got to college I started teaching metaphysical classes And somebody in class asked me if I ever did counseling. And I, well, teaching is kind of like counseling and you know, you're helping the kids. Yeah. And and so I said, yes. And I decided I needed some more training to be a little better at it. And one thing led to another. I ended up taking some classes which um, made me an ordained spiritual minister for counseling and a medium. and talking to people on the other side and through the counseling um i was helping others with what i went through um i was in domestic violent marriage of lots of abuse you can put the pieces together um for 30 years and i got out of it alive because he tried to kill me several times and i was trying suicide
0: Oh my.
1: And so in learning how to get out of that predicament and what it was about, and what I found out is you find the root cause of a problem. And when you deal not with the symptoms, but with a root cause of the problem, you can actually heal it. So in my becoming a minister, i learned regression work. And I also took a class with uh, a fellow in Virginia, uh, state of Virginia who taught past life regression And I found out a lot of our problems come from past lives. And then I took, um, I became internationally board certified to do past life regressions and regression work. And then I became on the American board of hypnotherapists through taking classes for hypnosis, which basically um, when you do regression, it is hypnosis, it's meditation, it's all the same. It's all going into an altered state. So through that kind of a background, I started understanding where my problems came from and I could help others because I know today, when you regress somebody, you go straight to their soul. And so the, you don't have to deal with the symptoms. And in my case, I had a lot of symptoms, but when you deal with the real, where is this coming from? Then there are no more symptoms, you've healed them. So that's what I like to do with my clients is help heal the real problem, what's below the, what's below the surface, you might say. And through that, I was writing um, and going to some writer's classes and I had a poem. My first book was Roses Have Thorns and I was working on these poems of my disastrous life <laughs> as I grew up in dysfunctional domestic violence too with alcoholism and mental illness. And so I was writing poetry about that. And I went to my uh, teacher one night and I said, um, well, it turned out she was a publisher also. Would you publish my my poems? And I really didn't think anybody would find them that valuable, but I was curious. She said, oh, she says, I was hoping you would ask me. So um, through her help, I got my book, first book published. All my books are on amazon.com. And uh, then I was, became channeling because of the, becoming a, a spiritual minister. And um, after one of my channeling, St. Germain came in and said, well, this is going to go in a book, what I said today. So that, was, that became my next book, The Real Meaning of 2012. And then because I've learned so much through channeling and working with people of how this all comes together from the root cause, um, I wrote a great big thick book Five hundred pages took 25 years and that book's called paradigm busters reveal the real you because it goes into how you can do yourself help it's a self-help book and move out of and i call it hell into grace and and where, where i am today thank god i got out of that situation where i was married and Today, I'm living a very wonderful life I didn't know was even possible. And then I've uh, written some, a couple more books since then, Road to Success and Finding Reality Beyond Fear. So, which takes you beyond the self-help book. So it's kind of, they're kind of in a progression. And then I have some eBooks also and um, I've, I've done this for many, many years at this point and, and just kept plodding along. And last year I had two really nice things happen. Um, I was told, I belong to the Edgar Cayce Association. If you know who he was, he was a psychic in the 20th century that was well-documented yeah. and uh, is an international organization. And I was supporting their prison program and they are they distribute my books internationally to the prisons. Oh. And have wow. a have a study group in one of the major prisons in the States. And then uh, so after that was a really feather in my hat that they were so happy with my books. And yeah. then I found out in this, I don't know about Canada, but in the United States, there's a book called Who's Who in America. And I was oh. in there, I was included, this is very prestigious. I was included in Who's Who. So uh, all, you're all, a Who. All, all these things are, that was a real, real celebration time. So that's my story in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> that is pretty cool. All right. We're going to dive in a little deeper to your story, specifically around the mental health part. So you know your story best. You know the parts that I think resonate with people the most. So wherever you want to start with your story, whatever you think is the most Inspirational part of it. Let's let's just jump on in there.
1: Well, I love that. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand mental health. I've discovered, and um, my mother was mentally ill with paranoid schizophrenia, and um, my father was an alcoholic, and my stepdad was mentally ill too. And and uh, I had to leave that environment to get well because what you're around is what you are, so to speak, and you can't. It's very difficult to change because they don't wanna change and they don't want you to change because you're their support blanket, so to speak. Yeah. So I had um, I had to basically dis- uh, disconnect from my family and uh, I made that choice. I was married at the time. And so then I be- basically had to get a divorce to stay alive actually. Okay. And And in recovery work, I found out uh, several quite a few important things. one of them is um, if you are had a lot of abuse as a child which I did and if you don't have feel no talk no trust and no feelings you can't move out of the abuse mm-hmm. um, yeah. dysfunctional families are not communicating and it's like, um, you're you're there but you're not there so to speak you have a roof over your head but there's no family get together where they support each other because nobody's everybody's in survival
0: yeah I love that sorry just going to interrupt for a sec I do this sometimes I love how you said everyone's just in survival because I think a lot of people don't realize that there is a distinct difference in different phases of our life so survival mode is very different than living your best life. It is very different even than the beginning of a crisis, right? Um, When you're in survival mode, you're literally just trying to make it to the next minute. But when you're living your best life, the minutes are like fleeting. They're just they go by so fast because you're just, you're loving life. You're living it to the best of your ability, but in survival mode, every minute, it feels like 10,000 years <laughs> because you're just trying to keep pushing. And then like the beginning of a crisis is when your start, like your body is starting to do all that. Your mind is starting to race, but I think that, and this is just my opinion. I'm I'm not a doctor, I'm not certified. (laughs) But from my personal experience, I think the best time, well, maybe not the best time, but um, when you start to notice that you're going into a crisis mode, that is a good time to take yourself back and ask for help. Because once you're in survival mode, it's, whenever I've been in survival mode, it's 10 times harder to ask for help because you just don't know who to ask because you can you don't know who to trust. Trust but, is a big part of it. You're right. Yeah. So, that's just my my two cents from my experiences because yeah, my stepdad was an alcoholic and um, my brother was an addict and just I had depression. So there was a lot of different different components um and so whenever I've been in that survival mode, I shut out everything else and don't don't know that I even need to ask for help anymore because I'm just so focused on being alive in this moment that I don't even realize that I need to go out and get help. So at the beginning of the crisis is always my best time.
1: Well, I didn't even know I was in survival. That's how bad off I was. Um, I had no clue of there was another way to live life because I was raised you know, in the mental illness from day one. In fact, I know today I took it on in the womb. And I from doing past lives, I know also know I brought in a lot of this with me. So there's a history that goes way back. And so I was born in fear. And I was born with my knowing about my mother's sexual abuse. And I it set me up for my own um, abuse that I went through because what I know is like attracts like. So as I was in, um, I do a lot of meditation because that's what I do with my clients. And so to get myself in a better place with different different issues. And one day uh, in meditation, I was asked, do you want to come out of your prison, mental prison of, of, um, you know, mental illness like your mother couldn't do? And I said, yeah, I'd like to come out of this. And so A lot of opportunities showed up in my life. See, life is a choice. And I didn't know I was in survival. I got addicted to the doctor's prescriptions. Um, The depression, the anxiety, you know, the medications they put you on. And I got, I ended up in treatment. And in treatment, I found out Uh, what was going on my my bottom was you know got my husband's trying to kill me and one more time and I've already tried suicide several times so I said I didn't even know you were supposed to pray in those days I went to church for 50 years but it was the prayers were always out of hymnals so to pray from your heart was not ever nothing spontaneous in my family (laughs) and uh, so out of just desperate total desperation and, and total crisis i said god please help me i really don't want to die mm-hmm. and i ended up in treatment and that's where i found a spiritual path and the spiritual answer so that when i go into self self hypnosis if you want to call it that um that you're reaching your soul and you're bypassing the ego where all this crisis comes from and so you can get a healing and so One of the books I read was called People of the Lie by Dr. Scott Peck. And he wrote a very famous book called Road Less Traveled. And in there he said, mental illness is the lack of Mm -hmm. self-honesty. And I know today that was true about my mother back when she was living, you didn't talk about molestation. You didn't talk about all the trauma. You didn't talk about abandonment issues. You didn't talk about relatives trying to kill you and be living in orphanages when your mother can't handle having eight kids at home during the depression, trying to raise everybody and she's sick, you know? So she had a really traumatic childhood. And of course that transferred on to me, I know today. So I had to not only heal that, but I had to heal my own trauma of the sexual abuse I went through and the traumatic situations I experienced. And so in doing that, as you gradually heal those situations, the PTSD that comes from all the trauma, um, those are all, all can be healed. Edgar Casey says there in truth, there is no incurable condition. And I found out through becoming a hypnotist and regressionist that you can go back into the soul and heal those situations. And what you're really doing is releasing the past reactions from fear and you move into living in the now. So you're living in the present moment. And when you're in survival, it is all reaction, walking on eggshells. If you came from the background you described, it's all walking on eggshells What's yeah. it happen? And then if it doesn't happen that's scary too.
0: <laughs> it is, which is I don't think pe- people who haven't experienced it they can't understand it because it, it's a weird concept. Well, if it didn't happen then why is that still upsetting? Because you're expecting it to happen and if it doesn't happen does that mean that the next time it's going to be double?
1: Exactly. You you get it. So in in healing all those past situations you have to forgive the people and situations because that's the past, that's your history. So forgive means to give up for a new day. So if you- I you like are,
0: that, can I steal
1: that or- delete? You, Yeah, that, that came to me in spirit. You can have that too. Thank you,
0: thank
1: you. And, and it really helped me because if I give up the past, I don't have to react and be influenced in, in my life today. And so I've had to forgive everybody in every situation from my past. And I've had to, uh, there's a, a doctor that was in Hawaii. I can't, it's a Hawaiian name. So <laughs> please excuse me, but it's on the internet. And he put together a, a, a prayer, I guess you'd call it. And healed all the millennial people in his hospital in Hawaii. And they had to close the hospital. And I've used that because part of what that prayer is about is taking responsibility that I set the whole thing up for me to learn how to move into reality, and how to be in the moment, which is a gift, and they call it the present. So when you ex- when you acknowledge, when I acknowledged all the emotional incest for my stepdad, and thanked him in regression, thanked him for playing that part, because it's like Shakespeare was right. Everybody's a in a play and we're all playing the different characters. Yeah. So so in, in in my regression, you know, I saw everybody on the stage and I'm standing up and they're taking their bows cuz the play's over and I'm clapping. They played their parts really really well. Thank you for playing your part. And as soon as I took responsibility for my life, it wasn't a problem anymore.
0: That so, is awesome. So when the- Sorry, I'm going to interject again. Okay. <laughs> My thing is, if I don't, I forget. I have a very poor working memory. <laughs> so I have to interject when it comes to me. When you're talking about forgiveness, that is such a hard concept for people to wrap their head around. And I was one of those people for a long time because, especially when you grow up with abuse in the house, how do you forgive the abuser? Like, in my mind before, and I have this conversation with my youngest all the time because we're working through some of his issues, forgiveness used to mean, in my head, it used to mean it's okay that you did what you did to me. It's fine. Let, you can keep going. But it doesn't. And so I just want to make it very clear to people if they're thinking the same way that I used to, that is incorrect thinking forgiveness. And that's why I loved how you said, give up to a new day. And I'm so glad that you just told me that I can have it (laughs) because I don't know, might make a t-shirt out of it because it's so good, but forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay that you did what you did. Forgiveness means it happened and I can't change the fact that it happened. So I'm going to release that from me. I'm releasing it so I can move on. What you did was still wrong but i don't have to live there anymore i can live this other better life so
1: exactly you're you're releasing the emotional attachment to it so you are free of it it's not for the person you're forgiving at all it's to free you from it yeah and i think that's a really good point forgiveness makes you is i think of a ball and chain and now you can walk away without the ball
0: (laughs) yes that's great i love visuals i like that
1: so what i found out is if i because i do past life regressions we write a script before we come in of what we need energies we need to change in our whole soul energy and it's not just this lifetime so i have been in several past lives of this kind of predicament. And this was the lifetime where I was to release it. Uh, so I was with my ex-husband in several lifetimes of domestic violence. This wasn't the only one. So as I'm ready and able to just at this point have enough self-esteem, and this is a really huge, you can't have self-esteem when you're drugging yourself. <laughs> so I had to get off the prescription. So I'm free to make rational choices and to let love in because, the drugs actually stop the love from entering your life. It's like a black blanket of the fear covers it up, the drugs, anything toxic will cover up um, the light of God. So you aren't don't have access to that. And to learn to accept love. I thought love hurt because of my abuse. Mm-hmm. My stepdad would beat me with a two by four. And I said, I didn't do anything. I was trying to be Miss Perfect so I wouldn't get hurt. And, and I said, I didn't do anything, what did I do wrong? And he says, well, I'm only doing this because I love you. And so I thought love hurt. So another part of, in my opinion and from my story is learning to let down the walls of protection from that survival so you can let wow. the love in.
0: Yes, I actually, I used to work at one of the native friendship centers around where I live. And we, I was in the literacy and employment Um, program. We did this program and I can't remember what it was called. It was so good, but it was all about learning to love yourself. And it was like, I don't know, eight or 12 week program, something like that. Um, The videos were phenomenal and the information was phenomenal. And the biggest takeaway from that that I had was that you cannot experience real love if you do not love yourself and what you're saying is exactly what that program was teaching because the takeaway is like i said that i got was if you're not loving yourself you're going to attract other people who don't actually love you but they're i love you so i'm hitting you right but it's not real love but you don't understand that that's not real love because you don't have proper love for yourself and i definitely had a few bad relationships not not nearly as bad as what I'm hearing, um, but they weren't good. And so luckily like, you now I have a wonderful husband. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> but you, yeah, but you have to love yourself first. Well, uh,
1: like attracts like. So my domestic yes. violence actually attracted my husband because that's where I came from. That's where he came from. And so like attracts like so I had to change. And I was whenever I get angry at my higher power, I look at the ceiling for some reason. And I said, I do not want to create another battering and abusive marriage of rape. So God came in and said, then you have to become what you want in a partner, you have to become so that that's what you'll attract. And so um, I'll give you the short version. Uh, I wrote a list of the attributes I wanted in a partner and then I had to become those characteristics and change who Marilyn was and I've been in a relationship for 20 years of unconditional love oh yay so you can walk out of mental oh I was declared sane too by my psychiatrist (laughs) somebody somebody said nobody's ever been declared sane well I have
0: (laughs) I've never I've never heard that before but
1: all right. <laughs> well, the 12th, because of being addicted to prescriptions, I ended up in 12 step programs.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And I found out one drink and one pill is six times the effect. Pills are just like alcohol, the dry form. <laughs> you have to get honest. You have to emotionally clean out the past. You have to take a look at yourself and say, where do I need to change? So I've I become fearless. It is in my big my book Paradigm Busters. I use that process and I have become fearless. That means you grow up, you become mature. <laughs> it's a little kid hmm. in the dark, a little kid in the dark room of the bedroom at night. Mommy, there's a boogeyman in here, right? And the mommy goes in and turns on the light. And says, there's no boogeyman. Well, that's what's going on with people. You got to turn on the light, get off the prescriptions, turn on the light of your higher power, the sunlight of the spirit. And there's no fear. It's an illusion. And so when you move out of the fear into reality, and that's what reality is, is love. Love is reality. And when you finally are in that space and with the self-love that you talked about, you become a loving person and you finally have love to share with somebody and what goes around comes around and that's the kind of relationship i'm in today i can actually extend love instead of my fear and then that love comes back in multiple ways that better than i would have ever dreamed believe me so you know it's we have to change i had to change to create a new reality, because we do create a reality from what is emotionally inside of us and anything negative stops love. Anything, mm-hmm. I, I've been recently on a new diet, which not only detoxed my the prescriptions and so forth, but detoxed my immune system. Mm-hmm. And I went, no wheat, no milk products, no um, sugar. Uh, one more, anyway, I'll think of it. but. I can't, you know, so I, what has happened is it detoxed me in emotionally. Okay. All of a sudden I started having feelings I never had before. Hmm. And I, it was amazing to me how much more alive I became and sensitive. And I, it was like a whole new world. And it's like inside, like who's, who's in there today? It's
0: not the same person. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're growing and changing every day. Or I shouldn't say we are growing every day because some people want to stay fixated and or not that they want to, but they just don't know how to change.
1: That's what um, my books are about is the how to.
0: Yes, yeah. but either way, every single day we're different. Whether or not you're consciously changing or not, because every day we're at least one day older, which means we have to be different. And so we can use that opportunity then to change and grow for the better.
1: Well, you know, I didn't know there was a different way to live life until I got to treatment. And I ended up in Al-Anon first because I was so codependent. Abandonment was a huge issue for me. And I know it was for my mother too. And when we're feeling abandoned, we're separated from the love and the life force of the universe. And so, and that comes the opposite being self love that you're loved and taken care of by your creator, no matter who you are, because you're his child, you know, you're part of the energy of the loving universe. So you've never been abandoned. And so, to heal that is a major part of mental illness is that. You are a part of. I always was the wallflower. I was always last man picked for the ball team. I was the last one picked to have somebody come and dance with me in school. You know, I was never part of. <laughs> and and to, to 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 all of a sudden, some things have happened to me that are just amazing. I, I'm in some twelve step groups on Zoom, and I couldn't get in. This happened just this week. I can't. I couldn't get in through some zoom problems When I finally made it in the people were cheering here's Marilyn that never happened to me before I'm (laughs) just sitting there saying oh I'm not cellophane people actually see me I'm here and they're noticing me and it's like wow you know this was huge for me
0: that's good that is so good
1: so you know we can we can change it takes work and courage but and, and my, for me, is, I don't call it courage as much as, okay, God, I need more faith for this one. Here we go again.
0: <laughs> ah, yep. That's, that's fantastic. So, I mean, I feel like you've talked a lot about how you've overcome some of this and some of those coping skills, but what is a, a coping skill that you've used that you find really, really worked well for you?
1: Well... For me, it's meditation. My church—I was—I went to church for fifty years. You know, sat in the pew, taught Sunday school, sang in the choir, <clears throat> and I'd come home Sunday afternoon and get beat up. So you know, church was not my answer, <clears throat> and so I ended up in twelve-step programs, which are spiritually based.
0: Yep.
1: And and uh, I found out if you meditate. <clears throat> Uh, and my church used to preach against meditation. That was the voice of the devil. My church said. And the minister had all the answers. Well, it turns out it's actually the voice of God. Your intuition is God speaking to you. And if you bypass the ego and goes into your heart for g- direction and guidance, you get the information you need for your life, not what not what experts say. They it's their life. They're talking about their life what other people think's none of your business. Go in and find out what you need to hear for you because you're an individual. You're not a rubber stamp of everybody else. Yeah. So when I learned to meditate, I scared the dickens out of me originally. But today I meditate every morning before I get my feet on the floor because I need directions of what I'm supposed to do that day. And as a writer, sometimes my agenda changes because god says well you're going to do this instead of that so but you know the funny part is my life comes together much better when i meditate in the morning because what i'm supposed what i'm directed to do gets done but i also the weird part of it i still have time for what my other situations are that need to be taken care of that it all gets done good yeah it, it's like time just takes care of itself and, and it's not like I'm missing out. It's just allowing me to do the right thing because that's what reality is doing the next right thing. And our minds are so caught up with all this agenda, the list of my to-do list or the pressures from yesterday or the bills needing to be paid tomorrow or, you know, my mind is so full of all this other stuff. And and to just take care of right now, this is what I need to take care of, that's the next right indicated thing, keeps me in reality. And that's huge for mental illness, to stay focused right in the moment. Put your focus on, this is what I'm working on right now. And it will take care of itself and the next thing comes along and it takes care of itself and you get through the day and like last night, I says, gee, I didn't think I'd get all that taken care of and it was done, you know, so. it actually makes my life more effective and more productive.
0: Good. I love that. A lot of people think, um, not think, a lot of people say that meditation is one of their best coping strategies. I try. I'm still trying because it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not like you just sit there and you close your eyes, you like quiet for five minutes. It is so much more than that. Um, it's Not really. The brain.
1: Listen. Listen to this. I when I first heard that I was supposed to meditate because that's part of the twelve steps.
0: Okay. And I said, God,
1: I read a book and I couldn't figure it out. So I said, God, you're going to have to teach me how to meditate. So I and I was in bed, exhausted from teaching. The psychiatrist put me um, on a sabbatical for two years because I was in such exhaustion from being a workaholic, overachiever, trying to survive. And so I'm just laying in bed with my arms open and my heart open, and I said, God, you teach me whatever you tell me, I'll just listen. And so for a whole year, I just laid in bed in, in exhaustion. I couldn't even watch television. I was so bad. Oh, <laughs> and I, whatever started coming, gradually I started hearing silent voice inside. Yeah. And so that started actually giving me help to heal my relationship with my mother. And then the second year I got, my husband abandoned me out of state on a vacation and left me on the beach at Oregon. And I went to the beach and meditated. And I said, now what am I supposed to do? And the directions came and I said, oh, you don't understand, I can't do that. Well, I was so codependent to ask for a temporary separation was absolutely impossible in those days. And so that's the directions I was given. So after three times, that's the same directions. I said, okay, if that's what I got to do. And there was, I, well, the rest of the story was hell to pay because when I asked for the separation, he just couldn't handle it. So the, oh. but what I found out is when you hear the information, you have to act on it. Oh yeah. The, and the action is what makes the change in your life. It's the energy has to flow. So I always was a fence sitter. Don't choose anything because if you don't make the right choice, you know, it's going to go down the tubes. So I never made choices. I just, just was a zombie sitting on the fence, always wondering what's going to happen. And and so when I had to finally make choices and follow through with those choices, then gradually it got easier and easier to meditate because I knew it was gonna work for me. But I had to open my heart. I had to make the decision, whatever you bring me, God, I'll listen to and pay attention. And it, I didn't use a lot of finagling to meditate. I just asked God to show me how. And and it's what I'm finding out is my resistance is what stops it. If I'm
0: open-hearted, nothing's gonna stop it. Well, that's the hard part of it though. that's what makes it hard because when when you go for me when i go to do it all everything every other thought rushes in to try and stop me from from being quiet and it's hard to get all those other thoughts that's what what my brain i just need to (laughs)
1: let me give you two pieces of information First of all, you can fire the voices in your head.
0: I've been doing that slowly.
1: All right, so if you're fired, the voices be specific, you know, humbly remove whatever this message is and replace it with love and grace. So you always wanna replace what you're firing with something positive. Yeah. The other thing is, oh, but I had it for a minute. Um, oh, the word hard. That's a judgment. You're judging yourself. I I took the word hard and easy out of my life. It just is. I s is. Love is. God is. Life is. That's no judgment. And when you take the judgment out of it, you just do it. Yeah. You make, that makes sense. Yeah. You you're setting yourself up like a runner down the track. The the run, you have to run and lump, jump over the the barriers. You're, yep. you're putting your own barriers up when you say it's hard.
0: It's true. That's, that is a good point. Um, so now, I mean, you've already kind of talked about what books that you've written. So where, and you said Amazon. So is that the best place for people to go and get a hold of them?
1: They can get them at Amazon or Barnes and Noble on the internet. And I also have a blog, uh, Marilyn Redmond's Books Blogspot. Dot .com and that'll connect you to my books too and I have a lot of articles on my blog. I have a website angelicasgifts.com. I I've written hundreds and hundreds of articles. I have a co- two columns every month I write one, oh, for, nice. Sussex, one for Sussex newspaper, is an international newspaper on the internet. So in fact that's this weekend I sent out my newest column for that newspaper Sussex Ooh. newspaper out of England. And I have a lot, I have 176 YouTubes. And I would love to be able to put this on YouTube. So if you'd send me the link for this.
0: Yes, when it gets posted, I will definitely be sending you the link.
1: And and so my YouTubes are a variety of things. Um, Some of them are channeling because I am a medium and some of them are lectures and some of them are interviews and some of them are, just like us, we're just chatting away, you whatever, but they generally have a point and a topic. And, you know, I always try to help people with whatever is going on. I have an uncanny way of picking up, as a counselor, it's it's been very valuable. I have an uncanny way when people come for counseling is to be able to see from what they're saying, what the root cause of their problem is immediately You go to the opposite of what's going on with them, and that's what they got to work on. So, (laughs) so it's it's. I've been able through that to be able to share that kind of information of, of when people start talking. I know what their concern is or what they need to deal with, and turn around. And I've discovered, you know, it's usually something where you're needing to. Change whatever it is from negative to positive. The smartest thing anybody can do is to substitute the positive for the negative. And that puts you in a line with the universe. That puts you in line with the love of, the God, of your higher power. God is always positive. So no matter what's going on, rephrase it. And if are you familiar with affirmations? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, what you're doing is you're affirming the truth. Yes. Yeah. And when you're in positive affirmations, you're replacing the old programming of the trauma, drama problems from the past. And that's what you want to do is to clean that out so that it's not affecting you and you can be present in your life and effective in a way that is productive and joyful. And we're here to enjoy life. And you know, I was dying when I got to treatment, I was 45 years old and I was dying and I'm 81 years old today and I couldn't be doing better.
0: <laughs> I love that, I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, and I gotta say, I, I wouldn't say you're in your 80s, I'd be like oh, early 70s. Well,
1: in my experience, spirituality is the fountain of youth. Ooh. It's our fear, shame guilt all those things make us look old because we're the survival we talked about your energy goes out to those things if you clean them away you aren't
0: putting your energy into that anymore yes love that um and all of the links to get a hold of marilyn read her blog get a hold of her books they will be down in the description below oh well thank you very easily find it and thank you so much Marilyn for being on the show and sharing with us well I've enjoyed every bit of it bye 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 have a good day well she was a lot of fun and I don't know if you guys noticed but I was noticing um and for everybody who's listening on the podcast what I'm talking about is she had a bunch of owl stuff behind her and so after the interview actually I asked her about it because I'm a curious person. And she said that, you know, when she was little, she was always praying for wisdom. So then she started an owl collection because owls are, you know, the wise old owl. So that was pretty cool. I loved that. Um, and the owls looked pretty cool too. There was like, you know, pictures and like a little wall thing. I liked it. So be sure to check out her links. They are in the description down below. Make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button here at the channel so that you never miss an episode because this is such an important topic. We do have a merch store. If you're interested, head on over there at 10% of the proceeds. Go back to the Canadian Mental Health Association. And remember, the only way to end the stigma of mental health is to speak openly and honestly. Bye!